show me a healthy and happy 90-year-old or 80-year-old, and I'm going to show you somebody who made great decisions in their 50s. And those decisions are typically get really good at the fundamentals of strength and conditioning, get really good at a hip hinge, get really good at, at rib cage expansion and breath work and understanding the breathing mechanics and the muscles of respiration can affect your mood and your sympathetic and your parasympathetic. I know you guys love this stuff. <laughs> then, you know, And people don't even think about the diaphragm. Like what people, two things, like key questions. What are you doing to train your diaphragm? Because breathing's important. And what are you doing to decompress your spine? And if you're not... If you don't have an answer to those two questions, then you need to dig deeper on whether your program is really about health and longevity and performance. Because if you're, you're, if you're not decompressing, you're compressing. And if you're not working the muscles of respiration, I promise you, your rib cage is probably stuck. And that means your thoracic spine's not moving as well. And so this stuff sounds complicated. It's not. It just isn't complicated. It just needs to be done over and over. And then pe entertaining people like you and me, you know, we're the ones that make it fun. It's not the movements all the time. It's the stories. <laughs>Welcome to the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. We are Jess and BJ, and we're on a mission to create a better world. And this mission is steeped in inspiring the listeners of this show and athletes in this community to lean into what life is calling them to, because it's here that we step into what recent guest Isaac Diaz introduced us to, which is our zone of genius. We've had hundreds of guests on this show who are living and sharing generously from their zone of genius, and today's guest is no exception. We're so grateful to welcome back Aaron Carson to the show, strength guru to the endurance sports world. Aaron was the steward of the iconic rally sport gym in Boulder, Colorado for decades. She has an A-list roster of current and former world champions, as well as so many age groupers just like us balancing life and sport. She is a magnet for any athlete seeking excellence, as I believe she exemplifies the very same in her work, and that's why that magnetism exists. She always shares her knowledge without abandon and is not afraid to collaborate with other movement specialists and coaches. Erin is one of the most sought after and accessible coaches in the world. She was our incredible guest from episode 114 in July of 2018 when B and I were in town for the Boulder Peak Triathlon, and here we are five years later, almost to the week, uh, and this timing just feels so perfect. So, Aaron Carson, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much, and we all just are still there. We're still here, <laughs> we're still and we're there. still excited about what's happening, you know? <laughs> I love it. I think that's important, having that stoke factor, you know, just really excited about what we do and and, be, and finding our passion, right? I, I mean, you found your passion. This is, this is what we're passionate about, moving the body, uh, training the mind, um, being flexible, um, and all of that really, really comes down to my first question for you, which with all, a, a big change in your life, because um, when we first recorded the podcast, we were sitting with you in your office in Raleigh, and uh, and Raleigh is no more. So tell us about I know. that. <laughs> you know, it's a blessing and a curse, as many things in life are, right? You think 
how crazy um, and and sad it is. And then you think how lucky and blessed you are. And there's a, a Dr. Seuss quote that I've kind of held on to. Don't be sad that it's over. Be happy that it was. And literally um, for 32 years, I worked at Rally Sport in all different capacities. It's where I really dug my heels in as a strength coach. It's really where I decided to become a strength coach. I've always been a coach. Uh, It's my mentality. It's my heart. It's who I am. Um, But choosing strength and conditioning really happened there um, for me. And then I became the owner. Um, I became the owner because the former owner had decided to sell it. Um, We just, Boulder is such a unique town and there's constantly people trying to buy businesses and land for all purposes. And he had, you know, he, the time had run its course for him and he handed the reins and the opportunity over to me. Um, I was able to raise uh, a lot of money, almost $6 million in about three weeks um, with some investors. And we got back to work um, in building rally again. You know, it was always my goal. And since this is a triathlon podcast, it was always my goal to see Tim and Rennie through their final Kona. And as irony would have it, <laughs> that that's what happened. Um, I have been uh, Tim Tim O'Donnell and Miranda Carfrey's strength coach uh, for almost twelve years now, and seeing them through to retirement from long course racing uh, was an important uh, point for us. And so, in two thousand seventeen, after owning the business for about ten or twelve years, the building was just decrepit and old, and it was no longer. Our, our membership was solid; we had a very profitable business, but it was not growing. So it was very difficult for me to fix the building. And I was one boiler away from going into the red. And I didn't want to be in the red as a business owner. I wanted to continue to to be successful and win at business. And so when we started to see that this shift was happening, um, I didn't want to raise the dues uh, and impose a greater fee on our, our members. I also didn't want to take away from any of the um, income that we were producing for many, many uh, strength and conditioning specialists and personal trainers. Um, one of my most proud things as a business owner was how well we compensated our staff and our team. I had 13 trainers making over $100,000 a year. And for that, I will always be probably my proudest moment in business. And I wasn't willing to ask them to give more. So we were going to make a shift. So in 2019, um, in the fall, we decided to sell. And so we sold the land and we sold the building. Um, and with the intent, uh, we, we had created a leaseback deal where we'd have uh, three to four years, and that would give us time to buy some new land and build a new smaller club with a bigger pool, and then just really accommodate a really cool experience for people in Boulder and blah, blah, blah. Well, three months later, after we signed the, the deal, um, the pandemic hit, and in Boulder, um, it has greatly impacted the go to the gym crowd. Um, that, that is really, it was already tight. I think I shared with you guys, we weren't growing, right? There was, mm-hmm. we only have 110,000 people in Boulder and we have three big clubs and that's probably one too many clubs. I had hoped it wouldn't be mine that would leave, but it, uh, it just, we just got caught and, um, it, it, it was horrible timing, but at the same time, it was probably a little bit of a blessing because I would have been in even worse condition had the pandemic ended and and not as many people are going to the gym. And so I would have had even less members and had a very expensive old 
you know, almost 50 year old building. And so this shift for me, um, not having a brick and mortar is only going to be for a little while. I have another club um, that I'm going to be, uh, we may we can talk about that another time, but I have another opportunity that's going to come, but it'll be much, much smaller. So it'll be instead of 45,000 square feet, it will be 10,000 square feet. Instead of five lanes, 25 yards, I'll have two lanes, 25 meters. Um, and I'll still be able to provide a really cool environment for my, my athletes to train. So it's, um, and my, you know, I've, I've people that are 85 years old too. I have a really well-balanced, uh, group of people that I work with. So that's kind of the story of rally sport. And I, I think, um, you know, just be happy that it was and be thankful that it was because we have made so many friends and it, we, what I'm good at, um, not only is creating opportunities for young fitness professionals and people to work and thrive in, in the fitness business, but also, um, members and relationships to become authentic and friendships. And I think that's probably what I'm missing the most uh, from not having that day to day is that, um, that ability to be kind of the maitre d' when you come in the, the front of the house, <laughs> you know, the greeter. Yeah. The greeter. And, um, <laughs> but it, it's allowed me also to, to really dig in a little bit more into my coaching and to spend a little bit more time. And even this morning I was riding my, my gravel bike and I was feeling this huge creative thing happening in my mind. And it, that, that hasn't happened in a while. You know, it's been stress, it's been change, it's been a little bit of worry. And, and now I feel a lot more peace and, and now the creativity is coming. And I think people are going to really enjoy, um, what easy fit coaching and performance coaching. And, And I've done a good job of staying in my lane as a strength coach. That's what I'm, that's what I love. So you know, I'm not going to dabble in swim, bike, run coaching or anything like that, but I, I really love it. And we've got a huge week of racing. Tim O'Donnell's racing this weekend. Um, and by the time you hear this, it probably already happened, but, uh, Montrem Blanc and then Taylor Nib. Ah, when we get talking about Taylor forever. So Taylor's doing the national time trial championships on Thursday, yesterday announced that she's riding for Trek Segafredo. Um, and, and then she's heading up to Montreal to race, WTCS, um, to just hopefully get some more points towards making the Olympic team for Paris. So, and we've got Heather Jackson off racing, uh, Western state 100. So that's, I mean, this is just a really, really exciting time. And I'm sure there's more, but it's, yeah, you know, it's such a big an exciting... weekend. Roth is this yes. weekend. Mm-hmm. Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh. Oh, wow. Yeah. I know. It's like, it's race season. You get a little giddy, like it's, <laughs> it's time to get giddy. So you've got, You've got athletes out there this weekend, like a lot of people that are going to go out there and I'm sure you just want them to, to just shine their light and do their thing. Yeah. We, we, we're at a certain, we're early in the season, you know, T.O. every race could be his last. He's just, he just loves every moment. And, and, but he's still super competitive. Like what he throws down is, is legit. So you know, Tim, Tim, I always just, I just pay attention to everybody, you know, Taylor, it's early for her still. We're not sure, you know, she, she, she did have a very good race here in Boulder, but, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> an understatement. Seven, yeah. what, seven minute, seven minute smash smackdown <laughs> of the rest of the field. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty, it was pretty big. Yeah. Let's, let's stay on the Taylor thing. Um, cause I know you've talked that you, uh, you know, you work with her and what do you think like her greatest strength is, is it, is it body or is it mind or combination of both? Yes. <laughs> it's a combination <laughs> of both. You know, it's fun. Cause, uh, I think today she launched, she launches her second YouTube episode 
So anybody listening, please subscribe to Taylor because when it does come out, it like she's not going to do a bunch of them, but that is truly her. And she is, she's just so authentic. You know, she's not made up. Uh, she doesn't have canned answers to anything. She's just, and she's, but she's brilliant. Like she's that kid on the out and back who can do the math on what is her lead and is she extending it while in the red zone, you know, performance wise. And so she is very much a planner, a thinker, a planner. Um, her coach, Ian O'Brien, um, also the two of them are very collaborative. He listens to Taylor, wh- whatever she says really does. She's thought it out. Like if, if she thinks about it. So, um, yeah, she, she's just a really, she's physically gifted. I train her mother as well. And her, uh, you know, <laughs> and I trained her dad a couple of times and I think I'm going to end up with Bob as well, but I, her parents are amazing, you know? And so it's fun to see her living a dream and, and doing really well. And we've got a long way to go. You know, she's only 25. She just turned 25. So yeah, yeah it's not so too much young. pressure on her. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then you've got, then you've got just switching slightly to like Heather Jackson, who's Western States, which is a completely, you know, I wouldn't say she's in the end of her career. She's obviously done with triathlon, but she's, she's working towards other things, but these are just as, yeah, can be perceived well, as insurmountable the, as, as the others. And Heather and I worked a lot, um, in the early part of the year where we're very light. We have a very light relationship right now. Um, and mostly me just being a super fan. Um, and I'm always here when she needs me and I, and I, I have different layers of relationships with athletes. And so, you know, it allows them to ebb and flow. Heather is a brilliant, no, she knows herself really, really well. And she also loves to have fun. Like talk about authentic. If you're watching her YouTube channel, which I'm sure we all have for a long time, she's just so fun. And, and, and of course there's a big thinker there too, but she has experienced what she's experiencing right now with endurance sports of all kinds, both running and gravel and, you know, mountaining a little bit, mountain bike a little bit with the lifetime series. Um, it just really effuses joy. And that for me has been wonderful to be around her. So I'm excited for Western States because I want her to do really well. I think that all of her Ironman training is just in her and, um, that ability to, uh, understand what going long means. And so she's, extremely tough and physically prepared. And so, yeah, it's, uh, it's good. We had her on the podcast not too long ago, a few months ago. Um, we had her back on as well. We had talked to her a few years ago and, um, yeah, I mean, she's got this joy in her life. She's got this happiness in her life. And one of the things that we talked about with her switching over to trail running was this beginner's mindset. You know, she has such a long history as an endurance athlete and as an athlete, um, you know, in and of herself, uh, having been a hockey player and all of that. But I, I turn this question, I guess, to you now as somebody who we can look at with decades of experience and working with the best of the best. How do you continue to nurture like a beginner's learning mindset? Because it's, it seems to me the, you know, the interactions that we've had, although few, that you're always looking to expand and to learn and to, and to grow, not just for yourself, but for what you're able to offer your athletes. You know, for me now, the biggest driver is, is Benjamin Button. I don't know if you guys know who that is, (laughs) but we have look at a huge, massive, uh, picture of our life. 
and we want to work backwards. And um, everybody knows these days who Peter Atia is, and he talks about the marginal decade. And I was driving to to the airport in Denver, and I, I have literally driven to the airport in Denver probably hundreds, if not thousands of times. And it's such a simple concept. And I missed the exit to the airport because when he started talking about the marginal decade, when we decided that this is the final decade of our life, from whether it was going to be 90 to 100 or whether it was going to be 95 to 105, and we start contemplating that big picture of what that marginal decade looks like, then we have to contemplate what the decisions we make today and the decisions we make tomorrow will impact our marginal decade. So if we are teachers, like you guys, I consider you leaders and teachers, and and I consider myself a a coach and a teacher, Um, whether our athletes are 24 years old or 17 years old. Today, I went to basketball camp with Isabel, uh, Rennie's daughter. She's five and a half, almost six. But everything we make a decision, like today, Izzy looked at me and she said, I cannot, I shouldn't drink the blue uh, Gatorade. There's dyes in that. And I'm like, good choice. She chose the water. And so I see my role as a, as a health and human performance specialist and my role as strength coach as helping people make those decisions for that marginal decade. And then our journey might be, maybe you'll become a world champion. Maybe you'll become an age group champion. Maybe you will um, be mobile and strong longer than you would have if you hadn't done the work that we do together. Um, I, I know that when you get a little bit older and I'm in my fifties now and I'm dealing with my mother, um, who is not genetically my mother, I'm adopted. That's a whole nother podcast, but, but, uh, <laughs> my, the mother, that the mother I know, the mother that raised me has not been out of a wheelchair since February. So that, that decade and how healthcare works in the United States and, and ha- the personal responsibility we take care of the care of our bodies has become extraordinarily important to me. And so when I work with somebody, I'm not just trying to help them win something. Winning seems, it's an important part of some people's journeys, but it, it, it isn't everything that drives me, that's for sure. It's, it's about how are you sleeping? You guys mentioned earlier about breath. Uh, I have incorporated a ton more breath work into my, into my work. Um, and just seeing that as, as high performance, you know, you can say high, you know, Taylor Nibs high performance, cause maybe she'll win a medal in Paris and Rennie's high performance. Cause she's a Kona champion and Tim's high performance. Cause he's coming back from a heart attack and, and impacting triathlon in a really unique and cool way. But to me, high performance is doing the best we can in our given genetics and in our given bodies and doing everything we can possibly do to, to live the very best life and strength and friendships and you know, social interactions, that kind of stuff. So boom, it's, it's really blown up for me. (laughs) (laughs) How do you, and I don't know if you can articulate this, but this goes so well with the athletes that you work with. You just mentioned a few of them, keeping them grounded and, and, and being here now, not, you know, when is Tim going to retire or when is Taylor going to win her first, you know, gold medal? Like how are you working with athletes to, to root them now when they want so much to be further along, or maybe even I want to be that person who I was 10 years ago running, you know, whatever, how fast I was. I think, um, I'm really lucky as the strength coach because I do have 
a lot of interaction with my athletes, the ones that I get to see in person, the ones that I don't get to see in person, you know, we'll do a zoom session or something like that. But my first, and it may end up being the entire time we're together, but my initial thing is how are you as a person? How are you sleeping? And then that adds attention from them. They have to put attention. How am I sleeping? You know, am I sleeping well? And now they just come in and they go, Aaron, I'm sleeping well. I'm happy. Uh, I'm eating well. (laughs) I'm I'm fueling for all of my training. I'm not in a bad mood. Like we talk about mood a lot um, because that's a a, a hot topic as it should be in endurance sports. Um, We want to try and catch things before they get out of control if we can. Um, so we're, we're just, are you happy? Are you laughing? Are your relationships good? And then we get in and we do that while we move, you know, you guys are movement people as well. And you can sometimes even see in how somebody's moving. And that's the observation piece of it. That is such an advantage. You know, we talk about, you know, you could do very formal assessments, but if you know what your people look like when they're, they're moving, you can tell something's right or wrong. Mm -hmm. So so yeah, we talk about it every single time. Like I'm texting with Taylor today. She's in Nashville. And I'm like, how'd you sleep last night? And she goes, well, my travel didn't go that well. And blah, blah, blah. I should not come in at 11 PM at night. And there's a big hills on this time trial. And, you know, and so we don't always talk about one topic. Uh, we talk about, you know, the boyfriend and the girlfriend and the weather. <laughs> we talk about a lot of other things. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's informing so much about how, they're going to feel throughout their day, but how they're going to perform throughout their day, how they're going to be thorough and making sure that they get the nutrition they need in is, is that like, what's the bigger picture? And so speaking of like kind of holding this bigger picture in mind, you know, in those times where you had that plan, like, okay, we sold the building, but now we're going to do this. And you kind of have this plan. You're like, there's a safety there. Like, oh, and then we're going to build this other gym and it's going to be more relevant to what we do. And it's going to be like the best. And then that doesn't happen. Yeah. And we have to we have to let go. How how do you balance that that human experience of letting go and maybe the disappointment or even the fear of like, well, wait, that's not gonna happen. So what is gonna happen? And staying in the realm of possibility. Yeah, you have to be able to pivot, right? So I mean you have to pivot and and you have to be thankful. I mean, for me with the we had such a beautiful plan for the new club. I mean, it was, it was going to be amazing, but when we realized it wasn't going to happen, we just pivoted and we were like, thank God we didn't build that. Like it was because I, although I know over time it would be successful, um, it would just been a lot, a lot of work. And that would have taken away. Like all of a sudden you're trying to make all these new friends, but that's at the expense of your existing friends you know, as you're building a new business. And so you and I, we talked about it. It's like, I'm just thankful for the the 10 people to show up, but, Mm -hmm. but why would I compromise and sacrifice those 10 really brilliant relationships where they've been loyal to me? I've been loyal to them to try and chase all this new business and all these new people that have no idea. And it's not that it can't be done because it can, many people do it. It just, it's just, are you willing to compromise your existing relationships? And so from my perspective, I, I, I feel really, really lucky. I'm, I'm feeling like if somebody came along and said, Hey, we're going to build a gym. We want you to help us. Then my, my role would be, um, director of happiness. Like I would be, I, I would like to be a high performance director a little bit, but I don't want to dig in the minutia. I want to be with people and I want to help kids become 
you know, better athletes or figure out if they're capable of becoming uh, better athletes. I want to help young coaches become better coaches. Uh, so I wouldn't want to sit and be a general manager or an owner. Um, I want to be on the front lines with the people and, and yeah, that's, so everything happens for a reason. It just might take a while to figure out why it happened. Mm-hmm. It's like knowing what you want. Like you, you, like you just listed it. You were like, I want to help athletes do this and people yeah. do this and do this. How that happens, you, we can't be attached to how that happens. Like if it happens in the club that you envisioned five years ago, or if it happens in one where the seed hasn't even been planted yet, like, and along the way, if you keep doing the things that you want to do in your career, then yeah. it's, it's easy to pivot and kind of let go of like, okay, well, I'm now I'm moving in this direction, but I'm still bringing everything with me in this purpose that I have in serving the endurance community. That's all coming with me. It's just looking different. A hundred percent. And it's just it, the word that's kind of coming to my, my mind and is relentless. It's a, it's about being relentless <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and it's just like, nobody gets in my way. And even when I was little, that's kind of a, a cornerstone of my personality is, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to run over somebody to get what I want, but I'll figure out how to get it, uh, around the side and it might take me a little bit longer. I might have to stay up a little bit later. I might have to work a little bit harder. Um, but I was just being at basketball today really, uh, it was funny cause it's at the university of Colorado where I played and, um, a lot of the the existing team and this the CU women are just really an amazing little program right now and on a bigger stage and just being in the event center where I played college basketball it was so like I remember I remember what I was like when I was that age I remember being relentless I remember it was always important to me to be first in the gym and la- first there and first last leaf that was my jam and you know, exceeding physical expectations. Like I'm kind of skinny. I, I can put on muscle now because that, that's why I became a strength coach because I needed to put on muscle and get stronger to be a better basketball player. But it, uh, it was totally inspiring. And so sometimes maybe going back um, to some roots or some physical space or an environment where you experience so many good, good things in your life. Like today was amazing for me. And to see Izzy just she's the littlest one out there. Like picture little Rinny. Cause I think ultimately she'll be taller, but she, Rinny just kept saying, she's the littlest one. She's the littlest one. She can't even throw the ball to the little hoop, but Izzy didn't care. She made one basket in, uh, from 9am till noon. And they shot a lot of baskets. And all the first thing she told her mom, cause Rinny went and ran some errands. She comes back, mom, I scored a hoop. Like, one hoop in three hours. <laughs> it was just like, that's so awesome. And yeah, so it was, it was an amazing day. It really was. Rennie played basketball too, from what I, from what Rennie's a really good basketball player, a little point guard. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just pulling on that a little bit, cause I played basketball yeah. in, in high school as well. What can you say about learning the fundamentals? Like the, mm. the, like go to the foul line and shoot a hundred free throws, like over and over and over again versus like, let's play, let's play a full game, you know, full court game and start getting into the action. Yeah. What can you say about that repetitive? Well, that's why I'm a strength coach because I believe in those things. Like, um, I think I'm still in the top 10 all time, uh, free throw percentage at the university of Colorado. And that's after many, many years, um, because you don't always have friends to play with. Right. But you do have a, a light in your driveway and you do have 12 feet to the, or 15 feet to the, to the bucket and you can just practice. 
and there's no one that gets in your way for a free throw. It's like, I'm a golfer now a little bit more and same thing with putting, like nobody's trying to push you and there's no reason other than you have to own your result, you know, based on your practice. So mm. it's, um, yeah, the, we, Rini and I were talking about it too. And I was like, Rini, they didn't teach the children anything today about basketball. Like they didn't show them how to break down a jump shot and they didn't teach them where to put their feet. And, you know, the ages were five to 12 or something like that in the little dribblers. And, and Rini's like, why do you think that is? And I was like, because it's such a high skill sport and you need, you need to be ready to learn the, the fine details. And so there's a level of maturity involved in that. Right. And so when it comes to movement, when it comes to strength, you need to get really comfortable with repetition and fundamentals because all the exciting stuff happens on the bike or running on a trail or in the swimming pool. Like in many ways, the swim bike run coaches have a way better job than I do. You know, I, (laughs) but I, you know, the pride I take is hopefully preparing the body to be able to accept the work. And, you know, we went through five months of injury with Taylor and, you know, I'm, I, I, she kept saying, thank you. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for not leaving me. And I'm like, why would I leave you? Like, you know, who knows why the foot got injured? We, we really don't know. It could have been many, many things. Um, and that's true of anything, but we solved it and we're better for it and we're going to keep moving forward and we'll learn from it. And that's true of anybody, whether you have a high hamstring issue or an Achilles issue or plantar fasciitis, like as long as you're actively working towards a solution and don't be, uh, I hate, don't be a victim. You know, this, this has, this is happening for you and to you, but you need to continue to not only be patient, but also seek out really good solutions and be proactive for that. You know, my partner and I have a, we have a rule, bad stuff's going to happen as we get older together. And the rule is you always have to try. (laughs) I was like, I, maybe we won't solve it, but you always have to try and she can't give up. And I think that, um, a lot of times there's like, if there's something going on in the body, there's like a fear, like, Oh my God, it's going to be, you know, it's, it's going to be so much worse or it's going to cost all this money. And so there's like this fear that kind of keeps people from maybe reaching out to you or reaching out to, uh, to somebody else that can help them because there's that fear of like, there's a fear of knowing like what it may be. But the other thing is that not, you don't always have to be desperate. Like you don't always have to get to that point of desperation that if you're feeling good, that is also a time to reach out in and, extend that feeling good because like you said, things are going to happen. And if you want longevity in the sport to have your, even some people may just need a handful of some exercises to put in rotation and that might be all they need to support their whole career in triathlon. And and let's dig on on that because you're 100% right. Um, I hate to quote Jen Aniston, but I'm going to quote Jen Aniston. Because <laughs> if Jen Aniston is doing it, we should all be doing it. <laughs> and she was like, for, it's just in this most recent People magazine, she's like, for all those years, I was beating myself up thinking that was going to make me better. And I now know that I don't need to beat myself up to be better. And where we get our, you know, there are there is definitely a segment of our population and strength um, who need to 
continually progressively overload themselves because all they care about in their sport is the number that they can squat and the number that they can bench press or the number that they can clean. But I'll tell you that the percentage of those people that should be counting those numbers is extremely small. <laughs> and in this gym that I'm work this this gym that I'm working at right now, oh my God, this guy deadlifted 405 pounds the other day. And I was just going, please stop. Please stop lifting that much weight. It looks like you're gonna blow a disc. Like it's once you hurt yourself. Um, because you're trying to just lift so much weight. It, it takes so long to recover from a disc injury in your spine or, or something in your shoulder from doing crazy fast pull-ups. And, you know, it's, it's not, it's just not important. And so for me, and I think the reason I've had a lot of staying power, not only with my professional relationship, but also, with my age group relationships, or even just my, my health clients, um, my high performance people who are CEOs and stuff is because they show up and the neural demand of my training sessions is quite low. The neural demand of their life is quite high. Mm -hmm. So when they come to the gym, they would prefer to just be physical and feel great when they leave and not be afraid that they're going to be sore tomorrow and just show back up on Wednesday and we'll do it again and we'll keep doing it because going back to the marginal decade, the whole thing is show me a healthy and happy 90 year old or 80 year old. And I'm going to show you somebody who made great decisions in their fifties. And those decisions are typically get really good at the fundamentals of strength and conditioning, get really good at a hip hinge, get really good at, at rib cage expansion and breath work and understanding the breath, uh, the breathing mechanics and the muscles of respiration can affect your mood and your sympathetic and your parasympathetic. I know you guys love this stuff, <laughs> then, you know, and people don't even think about the diaphragm. Like what people, two things, like key questions. What are you doing to train your diaphragm? Cause breathing's important. And what are you doing to decompress your spine? And if you're not, if you don't have an answer to those two questions, then you need to dig deeper on whether your program is really about health and longevity and performance. Because if you're, you're, if you're not decompressing, you're compressing. And if you're not working the muscles of respiration, I promise you, your rib cage is probably stuck. And that means your thoracic spine is not moving as well. And so this stuff sounds complicated. It's not. It just isn't complicated. It just needs to be done over and over. And then pe entertaining people like you and me, you know, we're the ones that make it fun. It's not the movements all the time. It's the stories. <laughs> and it, the solution's always simple. You know, it, meditation is simple. It's very, very simple. It's not fancy. You know, the, these fundamental skills that you're talking about, they're not fancy. They're simple. But for an overcomplicated mind, it can sometimes be an impossibility. Right. Um, but I would love to dig into breath and why you're like when you started to get on this breath train and, and just the share some of the wisdom that you have and why it's so important to be, yeah, to be actively and consciously breathing and, and using these muscles to their, to your advantage. Well, the first, the first thing really started with realizing how many of my, the people who are attracted to me and attracted to my work are very strong, sympathetic driven people. So they are high achievers. 
And they are, so the sympathetic drive being the fight or flight, just for the people that aren't really uh, familiar with that. And I felt that my leadership was incomplete without having a tool to help them balance or find some level of balance in a session with me. I'm not an expert in it, but I, I needed to find things that worked for me. And I have so much respect for the practice of yoga and the depth of knowledge and passion that it takes for, for people who have pursued leadership in that craft, that I knew that that wasn't going to be something I was going to go to a weekend certification and, and become a yoga instructor. Like that, that wasn't going to be my calling. And so I started looking at different pathways for that. And it started with foundation training. And I think we talked about that last time with Dr. Eric Goodman. And that came from um, Lance Armstrong's um, wanting to change from just being becoming a cyclist to becoming a triathlete again and ha- learning how to stand up and run and move through his thoracic spine again as a runner. So foundation training was the first step for me. And then uh, Laird Hamilton and Gabby Reese, XPT Life, um, I really started digging in with their their uh, they've hired a lot of really smart people around them. So PJ Nestor has, has taken over most of their breath work and they offered this little weekend course that I did take to become uh, a performance breathing coach. But I still, like I said, it's a little piece of what I do. If somebody really wants to dig in, there's people much smarter than me and, and much more in depth than me, but I can definitely teach a darn good box breathing session. And I can really understand the, how to transition into sympathetic drive with extended um, extended exhales and and stick in my lane, stay in my lane of expertise. I'm not a Wim Hof person. I, I find that to be a little bit more extreme, but, but very effective. Um, and there's really smart people leading stuff like that. So I, I use it in the context of, of what I'm comfortable with as a leader and a coach and the little bit that I've been able to share with my athletes, even just the understanding of tolerating higher levels of CO2 in your blood and the advantage that that is, um, has been really cool. So there's some little, little tidbits of magic in performance with, um, understanding breath work as well. How about just paying attention to your breath? Uh, is oh, that... the beginning and the end. I know, right? I can change. I can, because I'm a little ADD. So it's, it really is just the beginning and the end, Darren, just the beginning and the end. Yeah. I, find, I So it's like when you can wrap your brain around this thing is happening every all day, all the time, and you give it attention. You know, I teach yoga an hour. So I'll teach an, an hour class tonight. And they probably haven't paid, to the, paid attention to their breath at all today until they get into class. But yeah. then it's like the story of like, okay, well, now the class is going to end at seven and then I've got to get out of here. And, and, and then the mind starts tripping out onto what's next, what's next, what's next. And that breath is, is such an anchor to the present moment, um, to what you're doing. And, if, and when you're working with your clients, you're giving them that 100% attention. And when you shift that awareness to them and say, pay attention to your breath, Things start to things start to connect, and I'm and I'm saying this because um, you know I had a a, a slight uh, injury happening, and uh, I was trying to figure it out, and I went to one of your um, one of your buddies, Lawrence, um, and it was a simple simple process of just noticing breath, arching and rounding, and opening the hips by breathing, and it just it expanded and. 
I've been in this realm for a while, this breathing yoga practice, but I still had this disconnect with easeful breathing, easeful movements to begin to understand how my body was working. Um, so my question is how, how in that realm, cause it, it was a lot of mobility work. Mm-hmm. How do you go from mobility to strength? Like when does this kind of shift happen? <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's so funny because <laughs> it's so easy for me to question myself when I'm around Lawrence because he just moved to Boulder. And so he's working out of the gym I'm working at. I brought him in and he it won't ultimately be his final place because he's working in a dark room and he hates it and he needs to be in the sun and see a tree and like we all should. And, and, um, but I'm like, cause so now he comes in the gym and he's never seen me work with Taylor or Tim or, or anybody. And, and I'm like, Oh my God, am I doing it? Okay. Am I, am I, am I tensing them up too much? And, you know, I, I love having a third party tell me authentically that I'm doing good work. And, and so when somebody gets on Lawrence's table and he goes, he doesn't lie. And he doesn't lie. You know that like, mm-hmm. he's going to say, Oh my God. And he'll send me a text. Taylor's Taylor's neck feels way, way better. Tim's rib cage is moving better than I've ever seen it. Holly, Holly's movement is, is extraordinary right now. I don't know what you're doing, but keep doing it. And that's kind of how I met Lawrence was I was working with JD, Jody Swallow and James Kunema. And he, they had been working with, uh, Lawrence. I think they were the, the OGs with Lawrence actually. And he, they, both Jody and James had been working with me in Boulder over the summer. And then Lawrence put his hands on them and he goes, you guys feel way different. What's going on. And it, it was kind of really reaffirming to me that although I'm a strength coach and I love intensity and I love, I think lifting heavy stuff is, is very beneficial a few times a year. Um, I, I just was like, okay, you're on to something here. It means I'm not putting someone under load until they're ready to be under load. And if they, sometimes that means they're not going under load that day at all. Like I might use moderate to light load to help with movement, but it's not ever intended to make them stronger. Like that context of even that, that statement, I'm going to hand you a weight to not to get you stronger. I'm going to hand you this weight to make another part of your body wake up. So even single arm and, you know, single arm work, you put a dumbbell in somebody's right hand, but the intent of that is the left hip to stabilize. You know, yesterday I'm working with a young athlete who's got just had PRP in her shoulder. She had a a bursa problem from a bike crash. And I was like, I'm going to give you this football in your right hand. She's not a football player. She's not a triathlete. You know, and she's standing on her left leg doing a, an RDL reverse fly, but she's doing the reverse fly holding the football. And she's just doing that to add tension to the, to the arm and the shoulder blade. But the whole goal of the exercise is the left hip. You know, it's, it's, it's a different way of looking at it. And I get a little... I get a little um, abused in my Twitter strength and conditioning community that I'm in, but I'm like, you guys are, you're not thinking through the whole dynamic here. You know, they're just thinking about strength, pure strength. But if you ask any soccer coach or football coach or basketball coach, they're going to tell you more often than not that their best athlete on the field is not the strongest athlete in the gym that high skill sport, those kids don't need that much, uh, work in the gym. They just need the right stuff. And that's really important. 
Like we're not going to make somebody who's coming 25th in a men's field triathlon win the race because of the work they do in the weight room. If we can keep that guy healthy for two years and he has a very good swim, bike, run coach, we can get him up on the podium, but it takes time. And this is not something like, I think I'm going to start having an agreement with athletes. It's like, this is, you're not going to feel this in four months. You're not going to win a race or be Paula Finley or Taylor Nib. I mean, I've been working with Taylor since she was 17 years old. I've been working with Paula or had, you know, I've, I've come in and out of Paula's life a little bit consulting and then I'm full-time coaching and, but we never lose contact, but I've been working with Paula since she was 22, 21 years old. So, I mean, these things happen with that big picture and that's the beauty of it. It's like deep relationships and trust and communication. And what do I need right now? You know what, Aaron, I don't need you every week. Okay, no problem. I'm right here. Just tell me what you need. And, and I'll give you, you know, some guidelines, stay, keep doing some of these things, you know, and then they come back and they're like, okay, I'd like to go to the next level. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, let's do that. Yeah, and so. then, you know, maybe sometimes they don't come back, right? Like it's yep. just, they just can't handle the, um, you know, like the not seeing the benefits soon enough. And yeah, I mean, we have to let go of them as well. And oh yeah, I had one, I had some major heartbreaks last year. Trust me, long, deep relationships that, that ended. Um, but that's when to me, because I am an athlete, when you start blaming other people for bad races and firing coaches or whatever it is, because you did not perform rather than talk it out with your coaches and your team, uh, you, it's time to end that relationship, whether I end it or whether the, the athlete ends it, it's time to end it because, um, I loved it. The kid that won the uh, PTO race, uh, Max Norman, Max Newman, Max Newman. Newman. And he was supposed to stay and race another big race. And he goes, you know what? I was just too exhausted. So I took my team and we went back to Australia. And I thought that was a brilliant, I loved the statement because I am someone's team. Like I'm a few people's team. And I love that. It was like, you were included in the decision. This is my, I took my team and I said, you know, cause the, the athlete is ultimately the CEO of their, their performances and their, their journey. And to take your team and go home and go back to work, that that's brilliant. That's super cool. And that kid's going to win a lot of races, I think, because he, he trusts and he, he seems to make good decisions. Same thing yeah. with Jan. You know, he's got a team. And that those people have been around a long time. And that's the same thing with Lucy. She's got a team. You know, and uh, being a member of an elite performer's team is a real honor. And being able to talk something out and solve a problem that you've been in the weeds with each other. And, you know, that's a really fun process to be in. Yeah. And when, when it does get to be like really constricted and fingers are being pointed and things like that, there's something deeper there that needs to be looked at. And so sometimes that means like, okay, they need, they got to walk away. Like they have to, and as much as you're just like, oh my God, I see this cliff that you're diving off of into like the lava, but you, but it's like, we can focus on that or we can say like, they're finding their way, you know, and we can trust like they're going to find their way and there's something deeper there and they're going to, they're going to work it out at some point. 
Yeah, that's why I really try to, I mean, because I'm, I'm so much older so than, than a lot of the kids I work with and even some of the coaches that I work alongside, you know, that it's, I never want the relationship to end. You know, I like the, that we have to have layers. We have to establish layers. No matter what happens in our professional life, let's commit to always be honest with each other and treat each other with respect and trust. Because I, I hope I get to be, you know, the, the athletes that I work with now, you know, Taylor and I are pretty close because we talk a lot. We just, we have a really, but I, no matter what happens in her professional life, I, ho- I hope we're always friends and I hope, you know, we always have that. So I think we will. Cause we talk it out. But that's it. It's the communication, you know? Yeah. I mean, we, we've seen that so many times with athletes that we've worked with too. It's like when that, when that communication begins to get constricted, the relationship starts to go down, um, you know, a, a certain pathway and there's a lack of trust there. And so, you know, yeah. it's like, you get your heart broke if you put your heart on the line every now and then. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'll do it every time. I've never learned. <laughs> like a hundred percent. But I think it, it also like as coaches, like that allows us to, to allow, to allow yeah. people to live their lives in the way that they want to live their lives. And then it's our job to notice, okay, what's coming up? Am I fearful here? Am I angry here? And then we get to look at that, you know, and yeah. breathe it out. <laughs> exactly. Let's <laughs> talk about putting your heart on the line. I just want to go sl- uh, to yeah. the side here. Uh, Jackson. <laughs> ah! Oh, it's like, Jackson. where are you going? I had no idea where he was going with that. My new puppy. <laughs> I know. Yes. I, and you know, oh, I, we just learned so much from our, our dogs. Like there's, there's, I come on, I, I really play an, an extrovert quite well, but I, I probably am a little bit stronger introvert than most people give me credit for. So my relationship with my dog has always been really extraordinary and really important to me. And my Deacon, I lost Deacon uh, during the pandemic. He got a brain tumor. So he never became an old dog. Um, but we were oh, just having the honor to spend the last three or four months with him. If anyone is listening that has a dog, they know the honor that that is because what a beautiful experience, even though it's incredibly sad, but now we have Jackson and oh my God, he's awesome. He's really <laughs> cool. He's at the dog trainer today learning to, he's like that third grader that's bigger than everyone and just wants to hug them. And all the kids, they're like, why does this guy keep hugging me? He doesn't even know me. Like he's, he hasn't got a mean body, bone in his body, but he's, he's a hugger. He's such a love and he does he can't control it. We have, that's what we're working on. It's like, how do we control the love? <laughs> <laughs> and he's not, he's just a baby. How old he's is he He's seven now? months. Yeah. He's seven months old now. Thank God. Cause it, I think seven, the dog trainer did say from seven to 10 months, this is going to be crazy. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I have, a, so I have a question about what, what he may be teaching you. So when you have, um, you know, a dog that's getting, you know, is sick or, an older dog that's getting ready, like, you know, that dog, uh, their life begins to, to play out and, you know, we say goodbye to all of that. And then, and then because we're suckers, we get this new puppy and this new life and (laughs) such enthusiasm in our life. And was there anything that Jackson, that you can pinpoint that Jackson brought back into your life or revitalized? Well, we can put it, I mean, for sure, because, we can go to the marginal decade and the why a dog keeps people alive longer having a dog. But we can also look at the fact that I wasn't walking after dinner. 
because it was just, you know, whether it was some weird depression, it was like walking around the block after dinner just seemed like a waste of time without a dog. And so there's no doubt that six months that I didn't have a dog, I, my nutrition and digestion was probably greatly impacted in a negative way. Um, so yeah, there's no doubt the steps, um, have gone up the awareness of if even just teaching a, a, a dog, like a canine, how to, how to exist in a world. Like it's really important to, to Melissa and I, that, that Jackson has manners and that he has good dog manners and that people want to be around him and that he's not hugging you unless you want to be hugged. <laughs> like, you know, it's, it's, um, so yeah, it's dialed in a lot of fundamentals. Uh, you know, you learn a lot about people when they're around dogs and their level of tolerance, their fear. Um, you know, there's a little girl that lives right behind me. She's like six years old and he's big and he's a boxer. So he, he is jumpy and she just stood there. She stood her ground. She put her hands behind her back. Her parents had kind of taught that and she just turned away from him and he didn't know what to do with it. So it was a really curious thing to watch this interaction. He's coming at her as a big hugger and she just stood tall. And we know we want to raise strong kids, but we definitely want to raise strong girls. And here she was, she was not a victim. She stood her ground to a, to a very (laughs) pretty busy puppy. And she was just, and he just sat there. He sat, he sat right down and looked up at her. And I was like, this is who we want our athletes to be. This is who I want my clients to be. This is like, I just started training. um, One of my CEOs just uh, retired and she uh, came into being a huge CEO at a time when a lot of females were not CEOs. And we taught, I was like, Catherine, your posture needs to be impeccable for the next 25 years. Because although she retired from the day-to-day of being a CEO of a big company, she's still going to mentor young female leaders. And she's also going to speak and she's going to, you know, so posture, even as I am talking and nobody can see my posture, you can feel the energy in my voice, the projection, the strength. And that's what this little girl did in front of Jackson. And that's what I was like, this is what we're after when we're coaching. You know, we want people to be strong. We want people to, to be able to give it their all. We want them to have that passion and she's going to have it. She's going to be a strong girl, you know, just from standing there with the puppy and, and there was nothing like forceful about it or violent about it, or it was just, it was a subtle MySpace. Yeah. It was a subtle confirming shift. Right. And that's what I think we want to do with the, the body. It's just, just subtle little shifts make a huge change. And you talk about expanding your movement bubble. Is this what you wanted to be yeah. just all excited yeah, yeah. now? <laughs> yep. um, yeah. Let's, as we begin to kind of come up on our hour here and wrap up the show, let's talk about the importance of expanding our movement bubble. You know, it's funny. I was thinking about it. Does mobility come from strength or does strength come from mobility? And it's, it's one of those things, um, being able to have the expansion of elevating both arms overhead. No one should ever take that for granted, reaching and putting tension through your fingertips and making yourself as tall as possible and expanding your rib cage with a big breath, that decompression move without going into extension, being able to catch a Frisbee or play Frisbee. I'm not a big pickleball person, I got to say, but well, that's a whole nother podcast as well, probably. But I do, I think that if you, nature wants us to get smaller as we get older. We need to fight that with strength 
movement, in my opinion, and it might be right and it might be wrong, movement will always come before strength. We have to be able to get into the position so that we can load the position. And so that's why, for me, mobility starts every Monday morning, and we want to open open the body up. We need to give it space and create space in the body. Tuesday, we lift kind of heavy. Wednesday uh, is usually a foundation training or a yoga or a movement-based thing. Thursday is another strength and mobility day, or excuse me, mobility and strength day. Um, Friday is usually an off day from really conscious movement, but I do encourage people to walk or be in nature or whatever on Fridays. Saturday is usually a strength day, but it's an optional strength day based on what the swim, bike, run, or the run coach has given you. But, but Saturdays can always be optional and because that can be a social day. A lot for people with family and social interactions are really, really important. So my layout of the week um, and how I lay out strength is, is we move on Monday and we make sure that you're big and we make sure that that bubble is there for you to use. Um, Tuesday is going to be a strength day. Wednesday is going to be a specific yoga or foundation training day. Thursday is going to be another strength day and mobility day. Friday is a nature day. Saturday is an optional day. If you're feeling good um, and you have the time, hit the gym again. Sunday, I usually will go Pilates or foundation training or yoga or breath work or nothing. And, you know, I'm, I'm working on my app right now doing a little bit more breath work so that people can, like, when they're done with our podcast, they can just transition into a breath work session um, on the EC Fit app that's just listen to it and I'll just because I like I like guided stuff too. Like I like guided meditation. I'm I'm okay at meditation, but I like it when somebody says, Don't worry if your mind is wandering, just come back to the breath. And I'm like, Thank you. Thank you for saying that. Yeah, it's no big I deal. Permission. <laughs> yeah, it's no big deal. Just bring it back. That's the work. Like that's the training. It's it's as you train jacks, you know, like you train jacks to go outside. Jax comes in the house and goes to the bathroom. You bring Jax back outside. Like you don't you don't punish Jackson. You don't yeah. scream. You just repetitive teaching, right? I gotta Same tell you, thing you, with the you guys are the you guys are the teachers of that, and I can hear that. And don't ever think as as people who lead people like me, don't ever think you say that too much, because mm-hmm. you don't. Every time you say it, it's meaningful for most of us. We never get tired of hearing it. Oh, I'm thank glad. you. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> As I go into a yoga class, I'm like, hey guys, pay attention to your breath. Exactly. Nope, pay it's, we need it. And it never ends. Yeah. <laughs> um, how, so how can people, so you have the app, um, how can people work with you? Because right now you're out of space, but how can people work with you still virtually? Yeah, and I, I actually, I have, I, I have in-person stuff as well. I don't have a lot of time in person, but I, you know, I'm always willing to make time to, to get somebody on a good path. So if it's a few different sessions or whatever, I'll get them on a path. Um, but I have the long video format and I'm just starting to, because I have a little bit more freedom now, I'm redesigning how it's going to come together. And I think it's going to, I've learned a lot over the last few years, how, how, um, remote strength and conditioning relationships can be effective and more effective. And I think changing it up from long video class style format and short video list style format where you always get a demonstration, but it's quicker, you know, endurance athletes, it's the science on time between sets is, is really based on pure strength athletes. Endurance athletes recover faster between sets. 
and they're like, okay, what's next? They don't need two minutes or three minutes before the next set of plyometrics because it's not a plyometrics contest. You know, it's so in my opinion, sometimes you can move much quicker than my long video format when I'm leading a class and they hear my voice and it's being coached and, you know, people get tired of that. They just want to just tell me what to do, Aaron, TMI. I don't care about why I'm doing it. Just tell me what to do. So I have these two formats and and I'm going to start to lead people. The first two weeks, they'll do a lot of long, long video format. This, the second two weeks, we'll start to mix it up a little bit long and short video format. It seems that the more advanced athletes gravitate more quickly to the short video format and the people that are not as athletic day by day and measure themselves in age group rankings and stuff like that they're they like the class format they're they hate the short term so there's there's a mix and so i need to give people both options um which path to choose uh and and then i just want to keep supporting um swim bike run coaches uh, run coaches because the work that i do is I, I've seen some strength programs that just pure run coaches have put together and it scares me because I think they're doing too much. Usually it's just like, well, here's a bunch of exercises for a bunch of repetitions, do this. And it's just like, you shouldn't, I, I, I think a specialist, if, if you really care about long, long-term stuff, then, then let's get a, an expert in strength to, to lead it. Not everybody needs that, but, but the people who really want to dig in, I would love to be that expert and be able to find a path that suits that person. So I do, I do zoom sessions remotely as well. And I kind of thought those people would all go back to their gyms and they never did. (laughs) (laughs) I was kind of saying, don't you guys want to go back to your gym now? They're like, no, we love working out with you at the bottom of the stairs. It's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and they, yeah, they, they got to find you and now, now you and Lawrence are in the same, like relative zip yeah. code. What a, what like a powerful. Yeah. We work together really, really well. We're good friends. We trust each other. Um, you know, and he's a doctor. So, I mean, I, I'm pretty good about staying in my lane. And I, I'm like, what did Lawrence say? Whatever Lawrence says is right. Like, let's yeah, just I do mean, that. <laughs> he's, he's got all that. And then he's unbelievably intuitive. He's just a good human. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I did, uh, I'm going to say this with the podcast going, I did have a little bit of a hit of like, how fun would it be to have Aaron and, and Lawrence, Lawrence on. on and drop them some subjects mm. and let them rip. Let's go. That. All right. <laughs> we, would, we would do well together. I think so. Yeah. That would be, <laughs> that would be super fun. Um, Aaron, awesome. So awesome Thanks, to guys. see you. Yeah. Great Thanks. information. Thanks for always just sharing generously and letting the conversation flow. We don't come in with an agenda. Um, you know, like you say to your athletes, like it depends, it depends on, you know, how you feel on that day. It depends on where the yeah. conversation's going. So we so appreciate you taking time for our community and we'll make sure to link everything up in the show notes. Um, it's just so great to see you again. Thanks, you guys. You look great too. Take care. (laughs) See you soon.